Jesus, you know what people need to hear this morning, Father. So no matter what I say, I pray that we hear what we need to hear from you. And I thank you for that. And I honor you for that in Jesus' name. Whew, all right. A few weeks back, started talking about authority, starting about power and authority. And, uh, and we live in a time now that that's a continual conversation about authority. And I think that we've always kind of lived in a place where authority is discussed, um, parents with their kids, right? Um, Today, we're talking a lot about government authority and in our lives. And, um, and we're just, we're, we're, we're a people that just, uh, we want to mind our own business, right? <laughs> we want people to mind their own business. We don't like other people interfering in our lives. Who's with me? Who's, yeah? Some of you do like people interfering with your lives. All right. <laughs> Take advantage of that. Uh, <laughs> We don't like people commending our attention, demanding our obedience. We like for people to, you know, you do you, I do me. You be you, let me be me. We don't like being told what to do. And when we are told what to do, we tend to rebel. Who's the rebellious in this house? Raise them high. See, some of you are like, I ain't raising my hand. You're telling me to raise my hand. I ain't going to do it. <laughs> I see you. I see you. Uh, but it's funny that even though we don't like people telling us what to do, we love to tell people what to do. We, we hate being under authority, but we love being in authority. There's something about that where we, where we enjoy. Uh, and so some of us, when we rebel, we, we, we think that we're finally free from authority. You know how people say, oh, I don't like, I like church, but I don't like corporate church. Basically what they're saying is that they don't like authority. That's really, they, 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 they think that they're not under authority. So when you come to like a setting like this, it's like, oh, I'm under authority. And they think it's a godly thing. But the truth of the matter is that we are always under authority. You know how kids say, hey, you're a grown-up. You can do whatever you want. Which kid ever, you can do, and just like, no, we, trust me. You don't want us to do whatever we want. It would not go well with you. <laughs> so when we grow up, we, we grow up. We understand this as parents, but when we are, and maybe we don't, but, um, but the, the question is not whether or not we are under some authority. The question is, under whose authority are we, right? That's the real question. And I want us to have that seed in our mind. It's not that we are, we're not under anyone's authority. We are always under someone's authority. The question is, under whose authority are we? Um, when I started, I started talking about authority in Jesus, um, a couple weeks back, and I think even with today's message, I think it's going to be two parts to it, so I'll probably start today and finish next week. But I just want to summarize what we talked about a couple weeks ago, what I talked about a couple weeks ago, and that is this, that we don't like authority because we've seen poor authority, we've seen abused authority, we've seen unhealthy authority uh, in our work, and maybe in church, uh, in a government setting, uh, maybe at home even. You've seen people abuse their authority, and so we, we have this resistance towards authority. But what I spoke about is that actually authority is not about oppression. It's actually about promotion. It's actually about promotion. Jesus was under authority. Jesus walked in authority, and Jesus also taught 
with authority. So Jesus' authority came from God, but came through John, the baptizer, his cousin, and was released. His authority was released after John baptized him. So Jesus' submission to John was actually his submission to God. So God gave John the authority to prepare the way for the prophesied Messiah. And so John's authority came from God, and Jesus' authority came from John, but ultimately, ultimately came from God. And Jesus then, with his death and resurrection, received authority, all authority, both invisible and visible, heavenlies, earth, and even below the earth. And so now that when we're children of his, we have to understand that Jesus has all authority. Everything is under Jesus' feet. And that was my, kind of like my big point last week, and I'm going to really bring it home next week whenever I finish this whole thing. Because next week I'm going to talk about Jesus the interrupter. Jesus the interrupter. Um, but basically, I just want to kind of summarize the last couple of weeks is that Jesus does and has received all authority and everything is subjected unto Jesus' feet. And so at the end of the day, Jesus is our ultimate and our final authority. Now that's biblically accurate, theologically sound. Jesus is our ultimate and final authority. And even though in today's world, we don't see that fully on display, but I promise you that it, he is. And eventually everyone will see him. Right now, we have a choice and a decision to bow our knee. But when Jesus comes for the second time as king, we will be forced to bow our knee. Not because we're not going to want to, but we're actually going to realize, yes, that Jesus actually is the ultimate authority over everything visible and invisible. It's going to be that realization. And so we talked about last week that Jesus is our, our, our authority. But we also talked about freedom. Because right now, and I, I want to get into a little bit touchy things today in regards to government. Um, but I also just want to clarify this a couple weeks ago, and I want to clarify this again, is that, that when we talk about being free, a free people, either in Christ or in America, we're, we're not talking about anarchy. And anarchy is basically freedom without authority, freedom without limits. That's not the way of Jesus. There is boundaries, there are limits. Freedom has authority. And we read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We see that our liberty is confined to the Spirit and the presence and the Word of God. So we are under His authority, and there are boundaries to His authority and His freedom. Amen, preacher. And so at the end of the day, the big point is still that Jesus is our ultimate and final authority. Like, like that is like the biggest, if you don't move away with anything else from today, take away anything else from today, Jesus is our ultimate and final authority. And that is the case. Um, but with that, God has appointed lesser authorities in the world. Okay, I need to have an amen because when I take you to the next few things, you may not like it. So you have to agree with me or you won't agree ever. In the days to come. So God has appointed lesser authorities in the world. All right. Um, parents have authorities over their children. All righty. That's not my son. Husbands have authority over their wives. Not everybody. But Ephesians 5. Just read that. Kings have authority over their subjects. 
Leaders have authority over their church. Ooh, I told you. Governments have authority over their citizens. Yeah, I, I figured. The first one was like, yes, Jesus, ultimate authority. Wait, what? I'm subjected to Jesus. God has appointed lesser authorities in our life. The reason we don't like that is, again, because of abused authority. And we, we don't resist authority per se. We resist abusive authority. And so I want to just go right there and talk about government authority. Because I think a lot of people have a problem with, with governing authority right now. And... Uh, you know, with the previous election cycle, people, other people had problems with governing authorities. So it's really inconsistent of when we submit to governing authorities, right? Um, but I just want to read some passages because I want to establish a few things this morning. Um, but Romans chapter 13, you probably have heard this. It's chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. I think we'll have some on the screen and some I'll just read from here. But Romans 13 says this, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. There's a couple things. One, there's a word avenger that Marvel has stolen and made a lot of money off of. So that's found in Romans, if you guys want to justify your Marvel intake. But this passage is really clear. It's not only right, but we should do everything within our hands to obey and submit to the governing authorities. Christ followers should not be against governing authorities, but should choose and actually encourage submission whenever possible. Because ultimately, obeying the governing authority is obeying Christ. Now, I understand when the authorities are surrendered to Jesus, it is much easier to submit to them. If your husband is surrendered to Jesus, it's much easier to submit to him. If your church leadership is submitted to Jesus, it's much easier to submit to them. If your parents or your boss has godly authority and is a godly person, it is much easier to submit to them. So the question is not that submission is bad. I think we all agree that authority is good and we should submit. And you have to agree with Scripture that we are called to lead the way in, in, submissing, in submitting to human authorities. And that's why I said last, uh, a couple weeks ago, is that Jesus didn't just show up and just declared his own authority over everything. He submitted to John's authority. And this is why whenever the priests and the Pharisees asked him under whose authority do you do these things, he, he pushed them back and talked about John and his baptism. 
He was trying to establish that John was not just a human person doing his own thing. He was baptizing people for the forgiveness of sin, for the remission of sin, for repentance. But that John's authority actually came from God as well as man. And so it was, it's a really interesting thing. So the question is not whether we should submit to authorities, but the real question is what do we do whenever the governing authorities are corrupt and or are the ones who are practicing evil? Because we read earlier that, um, that if you're doing evil, right, then you should be glad that there is authorities to govern those who are doing evil. This is why we call the authorities when someone is doing something evil, right? Um, but whenever that governing authority is evil, then what do we do? Because evil people are always looking for power. And there are a lot of people who are in power who are wicked and evil. There are a lot of governments who are in power that are evil and wicked. Empires in the Old Testament were both corrupt and practiced evil. The Roman Empire in the New Testament was also very corrupt and practiced evil and injustice. And what's interesting is that Jesus and Paul and apostles, they actually still submitted to their evil governing authorities to an extent. You guys should love that word. To the extent. At times, the ungodly governing authorities must be challenged. But when they are challenged, we must count the cost. Because our faith is not just spiritual, hidden, and private, our faith is spiritual and practical. It's private and public. Our faith is not compartmentalized in the home, in a private setting. It is a thing that we lived out publicly, and our faith should be woven in every aspect of our life and through every area of our life. And it's really easy when we have compartmentalized our faith to blindly follow whomever and whatever. So at times we are authorized to stand up and to challenge the status quo in every part of life, including government. The Bible does not call the Christian to follow blindly. At times, the government has to be challenged. At times, the parents have to be challenged. At times, the church leaders have to be challenged. At times, your boss has to be challenged. At times, you have to be challenged. Amen. Amen. So just as we are obligated to follow the governing authorities and the human governing, we are also obligated to challenge them when it's needed. We are not called to live private Christian lives. Governing authorities differ from time to time, place to place, but Christ's authority is consistent, and it's a constant. This is why we have to submit to Jesus' 
ultimate and final authority in every area of our lives. So the Bible presents this almost of a conflict of being submissive and also rebelling. I'm going to give you uh, some examples from Old Testament and New Testament where that was the case. Joshua chapter 2. We know the story of Joshua, the two spies, Rahab, the harlot, and Emperor Shabbat, the king of Jericho. So I just want to read this. Joshua chapter 2, verses 2 through 6, it says this, And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hid them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. How encouraging. Verse 6, but she had brought them up to the roof and hid them in the stalks of flocks or flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then we skip a little bit to verses 12 through 14. Now, therefore, now she's talking to these spies now. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men, the spies, said to her, Our lives for yours if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. She was in the minority, and Jericho was in the majority. Rahab was the minority in this situation. The two spies they came, they were under a different authority, even a higher authority than Jericho's authority. Rahab switched her allegiance from the king of Jericho to Joshua's lord, which was submitting to a higher authority. Are you guys with me so far? But what was the risk? When she switched her authority the risk was that she, it would have cost her her life. It would have cost her the death of her whole family. And it was from both directions, either from Jericho, if they found out, or from Joshua. 
So she was in this no man's land of death if you do and death if you don't situation. And some of us may think like, well, that's the Old Testament. But we watch this in Hebrew that she, for this act, she ended up in the hall of faith that we read about in Hebrews. And Hebrews 11, verse 30 and 31 says this, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Verse 31, By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Now it's really, really interesting. Because even though we're reading that Rahab disobeyed Jericho's authority, what Hebrews records is that Jericho was actually in disobedience. Not Rahab. Rahab switched her authority from Jericho to Joshua. She did not just say, Ugh, I don't want nothing. Remember, we are always under authority. But we will have choices where we would have to submit under a higher authority. And trust me when I say this, the American government is nothing like Jericho's government or the Roman Empire. We are in bliss. All right, moving on. Since not a lot of amens, Daniel and the lions. I know you guys are just rebellious. I know. That's why I said for you guys to be engaging, and you're like, nope, not going to do it. It's all right, though. God sees your heart. Um, Daniel chapter 6, verses 6 through 12. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the perfects and the, set, the satraps, the high officials, the governments, governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statue and enforce an injunction that, allow, that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man, they cannot make any petition neither to God nor to another man, neither to God nor to another man, Besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Meds and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. Now, that's, I want to pause it before I read verse 10. When the king makes an injunction, his word is so binding, his word is so authoritative that the king himself cannot not obey his own decree. His word binds himself.
And I know some of you guys are like, oh, that sounds like God and his word. Yeah. But God has spoke. God cannot go back. He cannot undermine his own word. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open towards Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before God. And watch this. As he had done previously. Let me just finish reading. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Do you think they were like, you know, eyeing their neighbor, making sure that everyone's following the mandate and the ordinances and the injunctions and have a little tattletales, little spies. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any God or man? Like you have to understand, this is not just a religious thing, like only to God. No, you cannot make a petition with man nor God. This is violating not just religious freedom, but human freedoms. Human rights that the king, Darius, did not give, but he thought he possessed the rights over human beings. But they say, didn't, didn't you sign this, O king, for 30 days to be cast into the lions then? The king replied, the statement is true. According to the law of the Meds or Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. So they turn Daniel in, but at what cost? We know the rest of the story with Daniel. He was thrown into the lion's den. But you have to understand that, we do, that Daniel did not know the outcome of that that was a cost. That was a cost. We read it and we bypass. Have you guys watched the Animal Channel Discovery? What lions do? How they, you know, like other bigger things than them, meat things. And have you ever watched a lion lick their lips? Like, like we, we, we love to just go to the end of the story. This is why we like movies. We don't like movies where the hero dies. <laughs> and so we're like, this is just a regular movie. But Daniel was not going out of his way to be disobedient, rebellious, or an outlaw. He was not going out of his way behind a banner that he has created on his own. Daniel was very respected and in a high-ranking position. He was disciplined, and he was a faithful follower of the God of Israel. And King Darius knew this. And King Darius respected Daniel. And King Darius was just completely sidetracked and completely regretful when he found out that Daniel disobeyed his decree and the king could do nothing even though he wanted to 
to save Daniel's life. Why? Because Daniel did what was right. He didn't just say, well, since you did that, then I'm going to go ahead. And I never came to church. But now, since the churches are going to be closed, I'm going to go to church. There you go. I'm a Christian. Tell me that's not true. Tell me that's not true. Rebellious people for the sake of rebellion is not godly. Daniel continued. Why? 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 Because he was always submitted to a higher authority. And he lived such a submissive life under authority that he garnished respect from the king himself. He was honoring God while he was submitting to King Darius. But when the time came where he had to choose King Darius or King Jesus, he went with King Jesus, not because he was never following him, but because he was already submitted to him. And then we have another passage in the New Testament. Okay, and I'm not going to get to whatever else I wanted to get to. Okay. Which is fine. You guys will be here next week, I think. Actually, don't be here next week. Just don't come. Just don't, don't, don't come. <laughs> Stay home. Acts 5, chap Acts chapter 5, verse 27. And when the Pharisees and, and them, they brought um, Peter and the apostles... They were brought to, to, to the Pharisees, to the council. They stood before the council, the high priest questioning them. Verse 28 saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And verse 9, a lot of churches have used this. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. The earthly authorities are not the highest authorities. And yet the highest authorities command us to be submitted to the earthly authorities. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't this beautiful? Now you can tell your kids, I'm your, God gave me authority over you. Jesus is our ultimate and final authority. Um, I'm going to go a little bit longer today. You guys okay? Okay. Because I, I, I got I to gotta finish this up before, or it's gonna, I'm going to leave you guys hanging. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, we read this. Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself 
himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This shows us Jesus' ultimate authority. And now, this is where things got a little bit hairy last year and may continue to get hairy. And in some countries, it's this, where the government begins to take on the role of ruling Jesus' church. We know in China that the church doesn't have the freedom to worship how we have in America. So there's underground church. God is faithful. God continues to work. Whether, whether you are in freedom or under horrible and wicked authorities. In America, we have freedoms that most countries don't have. So we don't really know what it's like to have our rights really taken away from us. Like I said earlier, that God has given authority to the church, and a lot of us, we have given that authority to man. Man did not buy the church. The, I did not purchase this church. Government did not buy this church. The reason Jesus has authority over your life, the reason that Jesus has authority over the church is because it's his He's the owner. He has the final say. He has the final say. And Jesus, as the head of the church, gives leaders and pastors stewards of the church. Just like he has in the family. But Jesus bought the church with his blood. And even though the church submits to governing authorities, as we do, we ultimately actually surrender to Jesus. And I, I understand this is a very contentious issue, and it has been whether we should follow the government or, 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 or not. And it actually continues to be. Because in our country, we don't know what it's like not to have freedoms to worship God. I come from Ukraine. My parents, my grandparents, they know what it's like to live in a place where you have to hide to worship God. They know what it's like to have to baptize people under the moonlight because if they found out that you're baptizing them or that you're getting baptized, that you would get imprisoned for life or, or, or murdered. They know what it's like having their neighbors tattletale on them. There's one story that, that, that they said is that they were in a house and, and they were just worshiping God, and should I tell them this? Okay, I'll tell them. I'll tell them this. They were worshiping God and praising Him in such a way that they were actually even levitating by worshiping God. Like, there was a physical manifestation, a miracle, something supernatural, something that no one was looking for or chasing, but it was, like, so powerful. They were trying to hold it down so that neighbors wouldn't hear. 
But as God began to fill them, they became louder and louder and louder. And they actually had um, people on the lookout outside looking for authorities, right? And so whoever was looking for authorities got caught up in what God was doing and missed the fact that their neighbor called the authority. And you see all these authorities show up. But as this guy is listening to the noise in the house, the authorities are like, we don't hear anything. There's nothing here. Turned around and left. In America, we don't know what it's like to secretly worship God, but we do it really well. So even though we submit under authority, we don't blindly submit under authority. But do you know when we blindly submit? We, we blindly submit when we're afraid. When we're afraid, we blindly submit to the voice that has the highest authority in our life. But COVID and the virus, what it really has revealed is that the Christians are just as afraid of death as the non-Christians. Right now, the biggest driving force is the fear of death. That's why people want you to mask up. That's why they want you to social distance. That's why they don't want you to stay in your homes. That's why they don't want you to gather for any celebrations. That's why they want you to take the vaccine. That's why they want to do this. That's why they do All of these things is because the world is afraid of death. And in fact, people are not just afraid of death. People are consumed by the thought of death. And when you're afraid, you will listen to your doctor because your life depends on it. You will listen to the government because your life depends on it. You will listen to your friends because your life depends. Whatever your highest authority, that voice is what you will submit and listen and follow and obey because you're afraid. The world has a reason to fear but the Christian doesn't. <laughs> John 5, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but passed out, but has passed out of death into Life. Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immorality, 
immortality, then will come out and saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Jesus is our final and ultimate authority. We are never to not be under authority. But the reason that we are where we are is that we are more churchgoers than Christ followers. Either we live by faith or we live in fear. The opposite of faith is not doubt, it's fear. If we live in fear, we will walk in doubt. If we live by faith, we will walk in love. Because fear is love corrupted. So the question is for the Christian is, have, I don't care whether you're submitting to the government or this or that, but have you submitted to fear? And if you have submitted to fear, then you are not living free. There are people who are not living free in governments, but they are more freer than us who are living in freedom. Nobody wants to die. Who wants to die? Nobody really wants to die. But we are all dying. Who's not dying here? We're all dying. But if we, are, if we live being ruled by the fear of death, then we will always live a bound life. We'll always be bound. And, and Jesus came to set us free. So you cannot live in bondage and claim Jesus as your king. Because with Jesus comes freedom, and freedom is a choice. And if we choose fear, then we will never experience the fullness and the abundant life that Jesus spoke of, lived out, and promised his children. Let me wrap up here. All right. All right. Oh, there's so much scripture verses. Uh... Yeah, I got too much to wrap up. So I just want to leave you with that, how, with that thought, and I'm just going to continue next week. I'm just going to pick up where I ended because I'd never really finished part one uh, this morning. So I'm just going to pray, and we're going to dismiss. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God who loves his children. I thank you that you are a God who has taken all authority and that you have given us this opportunity, this privilege to submit to you. God, and by submitting to you, we do submit to all authorities the lesser authorities, Father. God, and I just pray that those of us who don't or have not submitted to you as our ultimate authority, Father, that that is what we do today. And as with every eye closed and head bowed, I just want just to give you an opportunity to make Jesus your Savior. Making Jesus your Savior is submitting to Jesus' work on the cross on your behalf. Because he died and he resurrected so that you don't have to die.
but when you do die, you will live forever. Because in Christ, we don't actually ever die. And so Jesus extends this invitation for eternal life to each and every person who wills. The Bible promises that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, ask for his forgiveness, he will forgive you, he will save you, and you will spend eternity with him, with the angels, and with the rest of his children. And so with just eyes closed and head bowed, pray this prayer. The prayer is not the thing that saves. It's not something magical. But it's this acknowledgement that you need a Savior. And so just, just repeat after me and everyone who is here, just repeat with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. I surrender my life to Jesus. Forgive me for my sins. Make me clean. I receive your work, and I thank you for this opportunity. I give you my life. I give you my mind. I give you my past, my present, and my future. Thank you, and I declare that I am yours from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. If you said this prayer, please let us know. We'll help to guide you in your next steps. But then I want to do another part. Because Jesus doesn't just want to be our Savior. He didn't die just to save us. He died so that he can be king over our lives. A lot of Christians are saved, but they're not living under the authority of Jesus. And so this is an opportunity for us to realign our commitment and realign our allegiance to King Jesus. And this is where we talk about maybe you need to recommit your life. Maybe you need to just pause of what you've been doing and say, Jesus, you have not been king and I need a king. Will you be the king of my life? And then submit under his kingship. And so, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you just not only save us, but you lead us. You walk with us. You work with us. You have a plan for us. And we submit to you and to all that you have. Be the king that you are. Lead me to submit and to surrender to you because it's in your name that I pray and I ask these things. And everyone said, amen. Now, before we dismiss, we're going to turn on some music in the background. And if you want ministry, if you want someone to pray for you, pray with you. If you have any questions, if you're suffering with any illnesses or diseases, if you just want to talk with someone, we're actually going to um, have a, uh, a, a team, uh, a ministry team, just like as we dismiss, just be over here in the front. Or I mean, actually, they can even just be over here in the front row. So just c- come, come, th- come to them, and we're here to serve you. We're here to minister, to pray with you, and we'll stay as long as, as, long as you need. So I just wanted to kind of give you guys that opportunity that if you need someone for anything, we're here for you. This is a place of safety because we strive to make Jesus king.
we strive to make him king and savior. And he's so good. He's faithful. And so guys, be blessed. Have an amazing week. And we'll see you next week.